You're listening to WCRV W9. This is DJ Frankie and the Belcher. That's me on the Belcher. All right. This next tune coming from uh, the deep south of Texas. Take it away. I'm not going to sing on this. I I do not want to have to to mix my own singing voice on this podcast. Hey, Tom. How's it going? Hey, it's going great. How are you? I am doing well. Tom, with your... First of all, I don't get to introduce the show very often, so I'm just going to take it right now. You're listening to... This is a Fool's Gold Variety Hour. Welcome. I'm Zach. That's Tom, as previously established. Hello. It is me. I'm just a little guy. He's just a little guy. And uh, yeah, Tom, this is a fun fact. Maybe you know this. Maybe you don't. Do you know why some like radio and TV stations, uh, their call letters begin with W and why some begin with K? Yeah. So AF or so AM and FM radio are two very different things. And um, the ones that begin with W cover the weather and would be considered AM radio. And the ones that are FM begin with Y and they do not have oh, weather. W, not why. Yep, that's 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 why. Now you know, folks. See, I've heard. I mean, I I think that might be true. I've heard conflicting stories. <laughs> that, <laughs> For the uh, record, I was making all of that. Okay, up. okay, that's probably not true. Then this is the account that I was told <laughs> okay. is that um, uh, stations to the east of the Mississippi River are all W. And stationed to the west of the Mississippi River are all K. That is what uh, I. That's what I was told. Let's see here. The letters N and A were given to military stations, but K and W were assigned out for commercial use. Radio stations to the east of the Mississippi start with W, and to the west start with K. You are yeah, correct. That's according call, to Reader's Digest, and they've never let me astray. Thank you, Reader's Digest, my go-to publication to read in a doctor's waiting room. Yeah, I can get behind that. Now, Tom, we haven't recorded in a little over a week. Um, and That's boy, true. boy, a lot of big things happened in, in, in the week, two week span between our, our recordings here. Well, I'm glad um, you brought it up and I'll be the first to say I agree with the candidate that the Mandalorian season three has gone to shit. I haven't seen the newest episode, to be honest. So no, but this whole season, man, it's been a bit rough. I'll say that. Let- let me let me go on the record and say I'm genuinely fine with filler episodes and people who were like, oh, we don't like the Last of Us episodes that like don't have a lot of Joel and Ellie. Yeah. Pishy, Pishikaka. The the Mandalorian episode Jeez with <laughs> the, the Mandalorian episode with the scientist and the like that whole. Yeah, I'm fine. that's fine. I don't that's not what I'm mad about. No, I, I think that was actually kind of interesting because it like yeah. at least suggested that there was a bigger story that was going to happen. I don't mind filler episodes. What I mind is filler seasons. And this episode, this whole season has n- nothing. See, that's Nothing's the thing. I think the first season of Mandalorian is sort of sort of standalone, quote unquote. I don't think filler is the right word, but it's it's sort of like an episodic, almost like classic 60s Western type style format for a TV show. And then you get sort of bigger, like plot ripples that come out of the ending of season one that kind of go into season two. And then season two kind of maintains that structure, but eventually devolves into an overarching story. And then you have Boba Fett, which is pitched as its own thing and then suddenly becomes mandalorian season 2.5 and then you have season three which is what what if we tried to do standalone episodes like from season one but we just forgot what the format of the show was and used a lot of green screen yeah yeah and the volume the volume has gotten so old so fast that it's hard to sell the 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 background stuff i i have heard mixed things about this most recent episode. Um, hey, here's the thing. I really liked this recent episode. I thought it was very funny. I thought the whole like concept of like a whodunit little like classic crime mystery, super funny. I was all in. I loved all the celebrity cameos. 
what I was shocked by was that we get this sort of episode this late in a season. True, there are only like two two episodes left. Right, and especially given how, at the time of recording, last week's episode ended, very ominously, seeming to set up the final sort of quadrant of this season, and then mm-hmm. we get this, and I'm like, what? <laughs> what? What are we doing? Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Um, I mean, I'll see. I haven't watched the newest one yet. I will in the near future. It's been a kind of a busy week. Um, so, but. I mean, I like the idea of Jack Black in a Star War. I like the idea of Christopher Lloyd in the Star War. I don't have a problem with Lizzo being in a Star War. I don't either. Um, and and so, let me, if, if I may, if yeah. I may. You may. We have proof of concept now. So let's just hand over the reins to the nation to Lizzo. I can't, I can't speak to that. I haven't seen the episode. So We have proof of concept. Lizzo and I maybe Lizzo could take over like a, at least a state to start out with like Tennessee's not doing well right now. I don't know if you've been paying attention. You the know, legislature places... in Tennessee is kind of rough. So, yes. Yes. Few places are doing great. One place that is doing great. Michigan, where I currently am recording from. Yeah, I I I'm actually pretty proud of Michigan these days. Nice. We managed to turn this whole thing around. Wisconsin is still a somewhat functional democracy for yes. now. Chicago. People like what happened there, apparently. Yeah, the, the good mayor got in. The one that the good is mayor. not super pro-cop. So things are going well. There's a former president that's been indicted. I, I, uh, we've said words to that effect already prior to the indictment. Tom looks like he's about to say something to me. May I just backtracking slightly the Chicago thing? Yes. Um, isn't it weird that the super progressive <laughs> anti-cop candidate for mayor of Chicago's name was Brandon? A little bit. <laughs> they were like, bit. we got to get Brandon in. And I was like, that can't be good. But it was. Let's, let's go, Brandon. And Brandon right. did, in fact, go. So he Pokemon go to the mayoral office of Chicago. Indeed, he did. A lot of lot of political news happening, Tom, much of which I don't feel personally qualified to speak on. Did you know that in the last five years, and this is this is a real stat, in the last five years, the amount of U.S. citizens that have made physical contact with venomous animals has gone up by almost two and a half times. Like, it's isn't that truly insane what are we what changed right no exactly that safely i believe at this point kind of includes the covid uh-huh covid window where people were caring a bit more about covid than they do now were people like like oh man i have to leave the house you know what i really need to do is just be in an area where rattlesnakes are also there it's like, a wild stat to me doesn't make a lot of sense to me i don't know what changed i don't know what broke in the american consciousness that we needed to be around venomous animals now back to your point sorry this episode's a bit of bit bit of a whiplashy one yeah zach you know you know more about this than me almost certainly trump's been indicted indeed that he has on on 35 different things is my understanding 34 or 35 i believe okay if any one of them stick, does that mean he can't run for office or does he just get a slap on the wrist and a fine? So I believe it depends on which ones are considered felonies Can felons run for office. Let's do a little Google search here. Uh, it's it's a bit. It is a bit foggy, I believe. Um. The probability of a felon becoming president, no American president. Uh, who has been incarcerated for a felony. Uh, it, all the things I'm seeing are just like, it's, it, it seemed to be geared towards like a felon who wants to run for office and it's the website telling him, yes, you can, but it probably won't be good for you, which I feel like that is not enough to say, hey, Trump can't run for office anymore. I like, I do, my favorite, I do like how, um, there are people who are like, well, 
if you're going to indict Trump, we should probably indict Obama and Bush then too, huh? And I was like, sure, let's go for it. Let's do <laughs> I it. The, I bet these people would like it if we indicted Bill Clinton for a crime. Yeah, yeah I'm like, great. Let's let's yeah, just sure. do it. Let's just bang them all out. Here we go. One after the sure. other. Sure, why not? And to everyone who was like, hey, lock her up or lock Biden up because of Biden and is now like, you can't just start locking up a, a political political opponent. That's meh. Hey, guys. Again, I'm just trying to be consistent here. I say throw everyone in jail. Yeah, well. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm, I'm open to it. I don't love the carceral state, Tom, but... I mean, some amount of legal accountability should be issued, I, I assume. Tom, I would love to change a topic, if I may. Sure. Now, that for, for it has long been held, in my opinion, that no matter what this podcast is, no matter how much variety we intend for the show, we will always inevitably come back to talking about movies. And I just want to rip that Band-Aid off right now because there are I've got a, I've got a short list here, Tom, of movie related subjects from the last two weeks that we have not been able to speak to each other on mic concerning. So or speak I'm to just each other, gonna... period. Zach and I don't talk outside this podcast. We hate each other. Yeah, this is all we're a like, bit. This is we're all a like, bit. Guy. We're like your favorite TV show where it's like, yeah, the two leads actually can't tolerate each other, but they're like they have to like the guy who plays dean and the guy who plays sam on supernatural yeah which one do you think you are are you are you jensen ackles or are you jared padalecki here's the thing i think in podcast i'm more of a dean winchester however i think irl i'm more of a jared padalecki okay i think i know what that means i just know the guy's names so um i don't understand what i don't fully appreciate or know what their vibe is regarding their characters so cool i mean i that think that means that i'm the jensen ackles irl so that's ackles is a cool guy seems like a cool guy he's not doing more cw shows as far as i as far as i'm aware unlike the rest of the cast of supernatural so jensen ackles the only thing he's doing with the cw right now is he is narrating the um the prequel the, show, yeah. right? He's yeah, he's the narrator of it. Sure. He's kind of the Bob Saget. Yeah. The dude. Hey, I I mean I have not seen How I Met Your Father, which is the new thing. Is there a narrator in that show? I haven't. Is even someone seen narrating? How I Met Your narrating? Uh, I've seen a good deal of How I Met Your Mother, but I've there's seen, a, I've seen I've seen neither of them, so. Do you prefer neither or neither? I think I think neither. I I I, I say both of them though. Um, all right, confirmed. Yes, just like Bob Saget played older Josh Radner, Lori Loughlin. In no, it's not Lori Loughlin. Um, that wouldn't even work because that's John Stamos's love interest from Full House. It is not a Full House alum. It is a Sex in the City alum. It is uh, Kim Cattrall, who is voicing future. Hillary Duff in How I Met Your Father. So now we know. Um, so, yeah. Tom, how do you feel about a John Wick 4? You know, I went and I saw it in theaters. I did too. And here's what I thought. I thought the um, the scene where they're shooting the, the fight scene in the house from an aerial perspective yeah truly inspired that's i thought that was that was probably one of my that's probably my favorite part of the movie as well truly inspired filmmaking i will also say bigger laughs and better comedy in john wick 4 and in really all the john wick movies than there has been in marvel movies in in a decade yeah just the, well, the comedy of john wick being like yeah and also him just say, he just loves to see yeah just him falling is my favorite yeah that the, my second favorite part of john report is when he gets all the way to the top of those stairs and then he gets kicked and he falls all the way right back down. right it's amazing 
It's so good. And Donnie Donnie Yen was really good in it too, playing to my knowledge his second blind warrior character. Mm-hmm. He's not the... No, he's not. Yeah. He's, he's not, not blind, blind in real life. He's not no. blind in real life. I don't um, know why they thought they needed to make him blind in the movie. I mean, I'm not against it. And I think it's done probably better in John Wick 4 than it is in Rogue One. Yeah. I I also think, and I know everybody's said it before, and I, I always was like, eh, cheap and too easy because of previous roles this actor has played. But uh, Bill Skarsgård in this movie... <laughs> You can let him play Joker any old time, and I will pay money to see it because hmm. I was, I was, again, to be like against it until the scene with the knife through the hand. Yeah. And that scene, I was like, this man is terrifying, and I'm all in on him. I'm glad you brought a Batman connection up, Tom, because I wanted to know, uh, what you um what you would think of the guy who played Killa, who is the big German man in the fat suit. Uh-huh. Uh he is played by a in real life very handsome British martial artist named Scott Adkins, who for most of his career has done straight to like red box martial arts movies, but has had a small roles in the first Doctor Strange. And um, and uh, in the Jamie Foxx movie uh, Day Shift and stuff like that, I think he could do. And I, I I'm not fully aware of this, but I think he auditioned to be Batman for Zack Snyder, and I think they could slash should maybe bring him back to uh, at least audition again for whatever the James Gunn Batman movie is going to be. I don't know enough about what he, who I don't know anything about him. And I don't know if I'd be able to recognize him if he was not in a fat suit. So I don't know if I can speak to this. I will say recently though, that Sam Raimi was asked in an interview if he'd want to direct brave and the bold. And he was like, what about that other guy? And they were like, who? And he was like, Matt Reeves. They're like, no, there's like a whole other thing now. And he was like, I will be asking James Gunn immediately following this interview. And I was like, let Sam Raimi direct Batman. I personally, so I, I, I rewatch Spider-Man two fairly often. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't think, I I think Spider-Man two is probably not only the best Sam Raimi movie, but easily the best Spider-Man movie. And probably better than a good deal, if not of most, if not all Marvel stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, I mean, I'm good with Sam Raimi for doing that. I think Sam Raimi is kind of his while he hasn't directed a whole lot in like the last 10 years. He's produced a lot of like fairly successful low budget horror movies. Mm-hmm. And so like he's still like working. But I would like to see just him do more stuff on screen and i'd also like him not to be nailed down with uh setting up the like the new fantastic four and doctor strange 2 or whatever just like sam raimi clearly loved spider-man and he just loved being able to just make spider-man movies right and i feel like that is the kind of thing kind of energy that you need for just like any sort of batman situation because that's i that's what i think that's kind of why i think matt reeves is Matt Reeves did so well with his as well. So I agree. I would, I would like to see that. To answer your question, though, I love John Wick four. Don't want there to be a John Wick five and think that my official ranking would go four, three, one, two. That's fair. I'd say mine is probably the same. I think I like three a little bit more, but I think if I rewatched four, that might change. I I am not wholly against a five. I think the there is a sense of finality in four without spoiling too much of it that I think is going to be hard to come back from if they made more. Right. Um, there's, there's definitely a way to do it. That would yeah, be- I think there's a way to do it. And they're already like there are already projects in development 
in the John Wick universe. That John well. Wick is in, is my yeah, understanding. Allegedly, yeah, Tom Cruise is in the ballerina Ruska Roma movie. When you say Tom Cruise, you mean John Wick. I mean, Keanu Reeves, Keanu Reeves, God. Okay. <laughs> the I was old Tom thinking, Cruise. I was, thinking about, I was thinking about Mission Impossible as well. Which um, Dead Reckoning does come out soon and looks Dead amazing. I am there day one for Dead Reckoning, my guy. Uh, um, but no, it, Keanu Reeves is allegedly confirmed for the uh, ballerina movie, which is about the Russian ballet slash Russian mob stronghold that Keanu Reeves goes to in the third one. I don't know how I feel about that movie's existence. I also don't know how I feel about like the three episode miniseries on Peacock that is about how Winston got the hotel uh, that I believe co-stars Mel Gibson. So <laughs> going to be going to be a great three hours of television, that one. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I am less sold on not having more John Wick stuff but I think it would be a good idea to stop. Next up, Dungeons and Dragons, Tom. I really liked this movie. I also liked it. Okay. I wouldn't say I really liked it, but I, I, I did like this film, yes. I had a pretty good time, a pretty dang, dang good time mm -hmm. with it. I think, I I think, and, and it, it, trying to say this in a way that doesn't sound bad there is similar dna to it as with a marvel movie i would say the, yes and no but i the, yeah the sense of humor is is kind of similar but i think the dnd movie specifically props itself up more as a straight-up comedy yeah. than most marvel movies do yep and i think that makes it work and and also there's just an inherent comedy to role-playing games in general that i think is just like part of the trappings of a D, D adaptation i liked it i had a great time with it yes i really liked it i love a good heist and there was some heisting in this movie what are, you, what are your thoughts on hugh grant in this year this year flight i i Hugh Grant is having a little uh, the year of playing villains, and every time he's done it, it's been an absolute delight. He's had a th about a three or four year year of playing villains, though. I feel like from and, Paddington Two on, and it's been great. It's been truly delightful. Um, what and, scene do you think made him do his Christian Bale on set moment, where he allegedly may have yelled at people? I would guess. Do you know the answer to this? No, I don't know the answer to this. Okay. I don't have a, I, I don't have a solid. I idea would guess. For I would guess a scene that the child actor was not there for. Probably. Um, which leaves me to believe the one towards the end where it's just him and the red wizard and Chris Pine in a room together. I think it might be that one, or I think it might just be he might have had a rough time on like whatever the green screen was where he's standing up on the pillar and sort of oh. like announcing things. Yeah. I think it's I think it's it's maybe that one. I just maybe he maybe he has a hard time working on green screen. I know there are many actors who do. Um, and thus, Lee broke down crying during the filming of The Hobbit because he didn't think it was acting anymore and he was just depressed. No one, to my knowledge, had a good time working on The Hobbit, though. True. There um, were whole days where the the main dwarves and Martin Freeman had to be in costume, in makeup, and then never got to shoot a single scene because because like that movie was always in such a state of flux that no one really knew what was going on. It sounds just like a terrible th three years of production. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty rough. I do think that Dungeons and Dragons will get a sequel. Do you think it'll have the same characters or new characters or this, what's your. So I, I think sequel stuff is going to be. Um, I don't think it'll be f like super fast. Sequel wise, I, I think it will happen. I think some of the characters will return. 
I don't think all of them will. I think they're gonna they'll try to at least get Chris Pine, and I think they'll try to at least get um uh Michelle Rodriguez. As for the rest of them, I'm not as sure. Uh I also know that Paramount, uh, who produced this movie, uh did like sign a couple development deals with Hasbro to produce uh tv stuff with the D brand uh i believe i saw something from the people who made red notice the dwayne johnson movie i believe i don't think dwayne johnson or ryan reynolds are involved but i think that that creative team are working on it speaking of dwayne johnson though we'll get making... to that we'll get to that okay. we'll get to that and also uh i believe joe manganello uh aka the thinking man's Dwayne Johnson, uh, who's also a very avid D and D fan from what I, from what I'm aware, um, was also like in talks to produce and or star in, uh, a Paramount plus D and D series. So, uh, there is potential for some amount of franchise in D and D. So now we can talk about Dwayne Johnson if you want. And the very stupid decision I believe Disney has made. Let's start with that, and then we'll... Yeah, this will be a nice segue into my next thing. So yeah. they're making a live-action Moana. And Rain Johnson is is seeming to be in almost full control of this project, as Dwayne Johnson somehow seems to be able to do with things. Yep. Um, And as is always the case when Dwayne Johnson is in more control of things than is a reasonable amount for an actor to be in control. It looks like it's going to be a bit of a train wreck. And, and, uh, I have no horse in this race because I don't really care about Moana. So, well, it's, I mean, it, it's is, just, it is, it is what it have, is. We have a perfectly fine Moana at home. Yeah. You know, and like Dwayne Johnson's coming back, I believe Ali Cravalho's coming back as the voice of Moana. There will be no tangible difference between these two movies, except one is in a a state that you could legally refer to as live action, and the other one is fully animated. Like right, there is, and, and Dwayne Johnson just gets a fat paycheck for something yeah. that will probably not make Disney that much money. Like I would understand. Not, I mean, I don't even I don't agree with it, but I get the idea of a eventually, hey, live action Moana, something, maybe not. It's maybe not a full on adaptation of the movie. Maybe it, maybe it's like a musical. Maybe it's like something else. But seven years after the, the movie comes out, we just completely remake it. Same same writers, most of the same cast. Uh-huh. And we just what do we pretend the original one doesn't exist? Like, what's what's the point here? Like, what? It's why just, it is? It's such a fast turnaround. Yeah, it is. It does not bode well. And it's a similar, and maybe not a hugely similar thing because I just don't care about it anymore. But there were rumors of a uh, HBO Harry Potter reboot mm-hmm. this week as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care much about Harry Potter, but it's going to be. You are setting yourself up for failure because you are one readapting Harry Potter in a pretty rough time to do anything Harry Potter related right now. Uh, yeah, two, you're given a lot of control over casting to J.K. Rowling. Yep. Who and three is bitter about Emma Watson, uh, Daniel Radcliffe, and Rupert Grint all coming out as in favor of the transgender community. Yeah. So, so. D or four or whatever what I was doing. Uh, Jake Rowling is only going to pick very problematic people to be in this. And then Harry Potter's legacy, which is already prior to J.K. Rowling being not great, not a great legacy, no. um, is now forever just just absolute rubbish. And it's like you're just you're going to draw comparisons to the Harry Potter things that people like and you're not going to those comparisons are not going to be good I think right. for the they're most not, part they're not going to go your way they're also saying a season per book 
there is not a season of television to be had, I think, for Harry uh, Potter book. No, unless, again, the first season is like three episodes. And then by the time you're in the fifth or sixth book, you're going like, like, unless each season is a different amount of episodes. It's, it's a rough time out there. But you know who's doing it and still doing it well, Tom? Or did you have a thing that you were going to? No, I'm ready. Who's doing it well? Well, actually, I do have a thing. Okay. It ties into many of the things we're talking about. Harry Potter fans can be pretty gatekeepy. Star Wars fans, we talk I mean, about as, as can uh, uh, J.K. Rowling as well, for yes. being honest. Yes. Star Wars fans, we're talking about The Mandalorian, can be pretty gatekeepy. Just everybody, a lot of fandoms, basically all fandoms, are weirdly gatekeepy about things. Mm-hmm. But do you want to know what is... You want to know what the worst kind of gatekeeping, in my opinion, is? What, Tom? When you have a new... So it's not it's not a new IP, but it's it's new to film or TV IP. So like The Last of Us. Sure. Or Dungeons & Dragons, for instance. I understand there was a Dungeons & Dragons movie a while ago, but I'm you get what I'm saying. Like, it's kind of the first of its kind. Marvel fans being gatekeepy is still annoying and the worst and I hate it. But there is 20 movies that people have been watching. You know what I mean? So I'm like, mm-hmm. I understand the intensity, at least people who are gatekeepy about the last of us and people who are gatekeepy about this Dungeons and Dragons movie. Nothing. Listen, just be happy that your thing, the thing you like got a movie or an, or a TV show that is very good quite well made and really good and Mm -hmm. a lot of people are now seeing it for the first time experiencing it for the first time and really enjoying it and that should be enough for you to be very very happy and the fact that everybody was losing their minds over things in the last of us and the fact if i see one more tweet about this dungeons and dragons movie that is just like well, they didn't reference long rests, or they wouldn't have been able to do that, or blah, blah. And I'm like, hey, guys. I feel like you're on a different part of Twitter in this area, Tom, because I haven't seen nothing but fairly effusive praise for Dungeons & Dragons on my Twitter feed. <laughs> I'm just like, hey, everyone, calm down. Nobody cares about those things. It doesn't matter. None of this means anything. Chill. It's fake. It doesn't exist. It's a movie. Mm-hmm. You know? And, like... I don't know. I just am so frustrated when when new things new again in the definition that I was some people gatekeep when their thing gets to mass media for the first time instead of just being like, wow, a lot of people love my thing now. That's cool. That's what that's what bothers me the most. That's all I wanted to say. Thank sure. you for anyways, the person who's still doing it and doing it well is Wes Anderson, as evidenced by the Asteroid City trailer. Yes. Uh Wes is back, baby. He never went anywhere, but he's back, baby. And I will also be there. He's back for, for a double this year. Yes, a, allegedly a double this year. He has one uh for focus that's coming out in the summer, and he has one for Netflix that is coming out around Christmas. So, um good on him. Yeah, Asteroid City was supposed to come out last year, it sounded like, but um, either it was still being finished or Focus didn't want to run it against other movies, and so it is now coming out this year. And so in the and so in the interim, Wes has been able to work on another movie, and you know we're doing all right. We got Wes here, mm-hmm. and that's that is. We have Jeffrey Wright, who we got Jeff. in his prior West role was truly astounding. Yeah, one of my favorite characters in a Wes Anderson movie. We've got I'm gonna, all I'm of gonna, your... I'm going to run you through the cast of Asteroid well, City here. Well, first, run us through all of our Wes Anderson classic favorites. Okay. Like all of the cast that's like a Wes Anderson classic. So, a Wes Anderson classic. Uh, Bill... Uh, this is an outlier in this case. Bill Murray is not in this. Maybe for the okay. best. Yeah. Maybe for the best that Bill Murray is not in this. Uh, with Tom Hanks kind of in 
I think the Bill Murray mode. Yes. Of this movie. But you usually get a Bill Murray in in a West movie. You usually get a Jason Schwartzman. He's here. Jason he's Schwartzman's he's here. He's headlining. He's headlining, which he hasn't done since I think Rushmore, which is like Wes's second movie. So mm-hmm. you get you get uh Darling kind of, but who? Darjeeling Limited is he kind of headlines, right? Yeah, he's a third. He's the second or third lead in Darjeeling, um, and he is a fairly big role in um, Fantastic Mr. Fox. But he's barely—I don't think he's in Royal Tenenbaums. Maybe he has like a tiny role in Royal Tenenbaums. Scarlett Johansson's back. Scarlett Johansson's back. You got none of neither of the Wilson brothers, which is maybe they'll show up. You've got you get, Brian Cranston back. Cranston, he's not in the trailer. You got Willem Dafoe. You got Bob, Bella, Bob Balaban. Uh, Gold, my boy, my dear sweet boy, Jeff Goldblum. Is back. And, and you know, and Ed Norton and Adrian Brody, they're back. Liev Schreiber's back. I don't, um, oh, I do, I know exactly who it was. There was somebody who, I shouldn't be that specific because of who, there's somebody from college okay. who I talk to frequently. Okay. Um, when I was in college, who was like, "Why in every Wes Anderson movie is Jeff Goldblum and Bill Murray? Like, why is it, why are they in every one of them?" And I was just like, "Because if you were paid money to make movies, and you knew that if you asked Jeff Goldblum and Bill Murray to be in it, they'd say yes, why would you not have them in all of your movies?" And they were like, I just, why are they in all of them? And I'm like, because why would they not be? It's a fair point. Goldblum's not in, Murray's in more of them than Goldblum is. I feel like Willem Dafoe and Owen Wilson are kind of, Owen Wilson at least is in more than Goldblum is. Willem Dafoe is maybe. Goldblum is in a good amount. Yeah. He's in, of the nine, he's probably in four or five, so. However, let me just, we got Asteroid City cast. We talked about Jason Schwartzman. We talked about Scarlett Johansson, ostensibly the leads of this film. We got Tom Hanks playing a grandpa. Nice. I'm all for it. You got Jeffrey Wright playing some sort of military figure, mm-hmm. running some sort of space convention in this town. You got Tilda Swinton, unseen in the trailer. You got Brian Cranston, unseen in the trailer. You've got Ed Norton, unseen in the trailer. Adrian Brody, unseen in the trailer you do have leave schreiber wearing a fedora and smoking a cigarette mm-hmm. pretty good mode for leave schreiber to be you got hope davis in a role that seems larger than i had, had expected for hope davis to play i'm not complaining mm-hmm. you got stephen park who came back from he was i think he was at least in french dispatch i don't know if he's been in more but he was good in french dispatch he played he the chef. you've got uh, Rupert Friend, who also was in French Dispatch, and and I think is in the next Wes Anderson movie after Asteroid City too. So it looks like just it looks like Wes made a new, no pun intended, made a new friend in Rupert Friend, and he is now uh, in in the Wes family. You know who isn't in this? That was in the last one, Timothy Chalamet. So Rupert's Chalamet's got one on Timothy. Or, 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 Rupert's got one on Timothy. Timothy didn't make the cut. He got the Wes Anderson once over and was like, mm, maybe not again. We thought that that would be the way with Brian Cranston, but Cranston's back. We did think we did think that Cranston would get a once over and Wes would be like, eh. but no, Cranston passed passed the West test. Yes. You got Maya Hawk from Stranger Things. Good. I like that. You got Steve Carell. Star Who of. Will, I have to assume Steve Carell will pass the West test. I feel like it's I feel like that's a pretty I feel like I, I have to assume that it's got to be close for the West test. Uh, Steve Carell, star of The Office, you might have heard about it. It's the only show on TV. The Office, oh. it's the only show anyone's ever seen, and they oh, rewatch no. it like three or four times a year. Tom, gosh, it's so funny. You know, I kind of think of myself as a gym. And I'm just looking for my Pam. You know what I'm saying? I just think that if you actually are serious about The Office, you'd get Peacock. And then you'd watch the extended versions and you'd be able to be like, wow, they really like cut out the racist stuff. 
Yeah, like, so why, like, why would I even watch another show? You know what other shows I might watch? Friends or, like, New Girl. Or maybe I'll, like, you know what I really like? I like drinking coffee. That's just a weird sort of thing about me, is I love watching The Office and drinking coffee. And those are the only two things I do. This bit has been brought to you by all dating apps. Zach, real, real talk. What do you prefer more, The Office or Parks and Rec? I think there is a sort of annoying Obama era level of of sentimentality to Parks and Rec that I feel like is maybe a little bit less welcoming to me than The Office. However, I do think Parks and Rec is a little bit more willing to go to weird places with their comedy than The Office. So I think in the end, Parks and Rec, maybe. What do you prefer more, Parks and Rec or Schitt's Creek? I haven't seen enough of Schitt's Creek to to tell you that. What do you prefer more? What do you prefer more, Parks and Rec or Modern Family? I haven't seen enough of Modern Family to tell you okay. that. Okay. Uh, I will say Community, I prefer over Parks and Rec. Okay. Vice Principals, I prefer over Parks and Rec. I don't think yet that you can compare those. But I mean, Vice Principals is amazing, though. I rewatched Vice Principals recently, so that was this kind of it's been on my mind. Um, keep going down the list, Matt Dillon. Uh, who is in a he used to be in a lot of stuff and not to be confused with Matt Damon, who I do think Sleeper would pass the West Dust. I think he could do it. I don't think Ben Affleck would. I don't think Ben Affleck would. But I, I think Matt Damon. I think Damon. Matt Damon might. Hong Chow, not in the trailer. Tom Hong Chow, you 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 were a big fan of the whale. I was. She I'm was high. also good in the menu and in the Watchmen show. And as the original voice of Pickles in BoJack Horseman. I like Hong Chow. What can I say? Willem Dafoe, not in the trailer. Margot Robbie, not in the trailer. I don't think Margot Robbie passes the West Test. Tony Revolori passes the West Test. Boom. Jake Ryan passes uh, the kid. He was one of the brothers from uh, Moonrise Kingdom. And he was also uh, Lewin Davis's nephew in Inside Lewin Davis. Mm-hmm. And he was also in eighth grade. He's back. Passes the West Test. Can we Gold- talk about? I yeah. know. Sorry, Goldblum was the last one, right? He's the bottom. No, I got, I got, I got a few more. Okay, I'm ready. I'm reading, reading through the Wikipedia list. Oh, here. I thought you were just reading down the poster. No, uh, Goldblum, mm-hmm. uh, A plus West Tester. Yeah, he Sophia passed Lil- the West Test. He passed the West Test like 15 years ago. Yeah, Sophia Lillis, D she's in it. Fisher Stevens also passes the West test a good amount of times at this point. Rita Wilson, AKA Tom Hanks's IRL wife, allegedly in the movie. Jarvis Cocker passes the West test. He was in fantastic. Fox. <laughs> That's funny. And then Bob Balaban, who I have to remember, remind you, Tom was our favorite part of our first watch of Moonrise Kingdom. Bob Balaban. Yeah. Because he yeah. would just show up and talk directly into the camera at multiple times, usually when least expected. I know. He's truly a delight. So I see here's, the here, here's what I want to say. Timothy Chalamet mm. didn't pass the West test. And I think for good reason. I, listen, I'm not a huge I could, Timothy I Chalamet could, guy. I could see him coming back. Time will tell. It, it, you you're not a Chalamet guy. I am a Chalamet guy dependent upon the movie. I think he's so, great in Dune. I think Zach he's great. Is, Zach, well, let me just say, I have similar, man, this is a tangent, I, this is a bottle of worms I don't want to open, but I will just okay. real quick drop a grenade and then go on to my Timothy Chalamet point. Okay. Um, I have similar thoughts to Dune as David Lynch. Now. Um, really? This yes. is this is going to be a point of contention between me <laughs> and you, Tom, because I was a big Dune fan. Uh, I actually, I like both David Lynch's compromised version of Dune and the Warner Brothers Dune that came out last year. I like them both a lot. I like Warner Brothers Dune a little bit more. I mean, not a little bit, a lot more than David. For those Lynch's of you, Dune. for those of you who don't know, David Lynch recently was like, I have not watched the new Dune. I don't want you to tell me anything about it. I'm tired of people talking about it. And please tell me no details. I am done. <laughs> it, and it's, it's not even that he dislikes no, it's it's because of his own hate towards the movie. He just had a his passion chipped away. <laughs> yeah, he just cannot cannot muster up any mental energy to think about Dune anymore. Um, 
So what I was going to say about Timothy Chalamet, it okay. sounds like you think of Timothy Chalamet the same way I think of Brad Pitt, which is when you give him a good director and a good script, he can shine. Sure. When you don't have those things, not, not good at what he does. What I wanted yeah. to connect Timothy Chalamet to, though, was Florence Pugh. I'm generally bigger on Florence Pugh in most cases than I am with Timothy Chalamet. I specifically want to talk about Florence Pugh saying that she only takes serious dramatic roles because she's a serious drama actor and me wanting to be like, ma'am, please get over yourself and be yes, like, the, I also play Black Widow's baby sister. The two episode arc in which she returns as Black Widow's sister in Hawkeye's really and she'll serious be Thunderbolts dramatic. and then she'll be like, I'm like, okay, calm yourself. She was like, I wouldn't take that movie role because it's beneath me to do like trivial roles. And I was like, okay. Weren't you multi, in the movie about British contract? Yeah. Florence wasn't, she, wasn't she in the movie of produced by the WWE about British professional wrestling? Uh-huh. It's just, it was just a really funny thing to say because she was like, I, and I'm like, Hey, this is, this is also somebody on Twitter said this. So I'm, I'm ripping them off, but just like, Hey, you want to know what actress Florence Pugh could have been before she decided to step into this era? Of like, I'm a serious. She could have been Amy Adams. Where I was like, you want me to do a superhero movie? Done. You want me to play a princess in a animated and live action scenario? Done. You want me to just give Oscar performance after Oscar performance? Oscar worthy, I should say. Okay. Done. She We're hitting on Florence a little bit more than I would like, to be honest. No, I'm saying she's really talented, and she could have been Amy Adams, but she chose to be I don't know who. I don't know if there's a good career analog here. I compared Timothy Chalamet to Brad Pitt. That's okay. a feel like high praise. Yeah. I I now that I know how you feel about Timothy Chalamet, I really do really need to know what your early expectations are regarding the James Mangold Bob Dylan movie, possibly starring probably starring Timothy Chalamet as Bob Dylan. Because I know you I know you're generally pro Mangold. I know you're extremely pro Dylan. I'm I'm extremely pro Bob Dylan and I yeah I have no quarrel with James Mangold he's produced he's made only good movies to my knowledge. Three Ten to Yuma great. Japanese Logan. Wolverine I actually enjoy Japanese Wolverine a good deal. Also Logan. Japanese pretty Wolverine. Good. Ford vs Ferrari. Yeah these are all good films. John I'm, the Johnny the Johnny Cash one. Yeah and uh, I assume Indiana Jones will be great. Yeah. So I mean listen like I said good director good script. Tie a little bow around it. Timothy Chalamet. Doing okay. Okay. I do want to also run you through quick the very limited cast list for The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar, which is Wes's Netflix movie uh, coming out. We only have a few names right now. I assume this list will be much, much larger by the time the movie comes out. We got Benedict Cumberbatch. We got. Do you think Ben? Do you think old Cumby will? I don't know. Benny, Benny, uh, f- funny name, English I, name. Will I think Benedict Cumberbatch is to this role dial adaptation what George Clooney was to the other one? It's an actor that you think will, but won't. Okay, it is weird the amount that both neither Clooney nor Streep passed the West test. You yeah. know, and and at least with Clooney, as far as I know, they shot a in for fantastic mr fox they shot a lot of on-set reference material with george clooney like they shot like in very uh they shot george clooney on a motorcycle Mm -hmm. to match his movements to so they can match his movements in the stop motion animation for when fantastic when mr fox is on that motorcycle so like Wes Anderson didn't only just work at least with George Clooney in a recording booth. They like actually like were on set together to do stuff. Yeah. And he still didn't. And the thing is, I, I really respect George Clooney because he has comedic chops. He does burn after reading. I burn after reading used to be my least favorite Coen brothers movie. 
but I think just Clooney in that movie elevates it to a much higher echelon than same. Same with Hail Caesar. He's really like he the George Clooney can do comedy. Uh, remind me to uh, make a note of this. We need to wrap up soon, but I do have just a brief argument to make regarding Hail Caesar. Uh, Ray Fiennes passes the West test. He's back. Dev Patel. Do we think Dev Patel's going to pass the West test? I find yes. it hard to believe he won't. I I concur with your... It just, there comes a point where there's just going to be so many people who have passed it. Mm-hmm. It's such a big pool to pull from, but then you can have like, how I assume Jeff Goldblum and Defoe and Ed Norton are going to be used in Asteroid City. Like, you can just have them sure. cameo, just yeah. like Bill Murray was very briefly in Grand Budapest. Yeah. Uh, ben Kingsley. I feel like Ben way. Kingsley is in a lot of things. I don't know if he'll pass the West test. Yeah. Rupert Friend already passed the West test. And now, Tom, if there was ever a person to pass a West test before even starring in a film. Okay. It would have to be Richard Iowati. I don't understand how <sighs> he hasn't been in a West thing yet. I agree. I agree. He is. He understands the assignment. Yeah. He is going to be so good in this movie. I fully agree. So. All right. Uh, let's wrap things up before I get to my final Hail Caesar thing. If you don't have a bomb Tom, that's fine. I do just want to touch very briefly on the Barbie trailer. How are we feeling about it? Delightful. Uh, speaking to people who I think would pass the West test, Ryan Gosling who you've probably seen, Russell Crowe has been on a... I don't know what Russell Crowe's doing press for, but he has just uh, he's been doing like, it, He's doing it for <sighs> The Pope's es- Exorcist, which is a movie uh, in which, makes sense. In which yes. uh, Russell Crowe plays a fairly rotund Italian, uh, <laughs> Italian priest who casts demons out of people. Russell Crowe, from what almost everyone I've ever read... Sounds like an absolutely miserable person to be on set with and seems like a genuinely upsetting human. But for some reason, Russell Crowe is like, you know who can make me giggle in rapturous glee and is my absolute hero? Ryan Gosling, the funniest man I've ever met. I, the nice guys is really hard to beat. Like, I completely understand what would have made Russell Crowe feel that way about Ryan Gosling. I do too. I just think it's wild that one of Hollywood's most like belligerent humans is just like Ryan Gosling. Yeah, that guy. That's my, the guy. My best friend. Anyways. Um Ryan Gosling would, I think, pass the, the West test. I think the and... I think I think the Barbie movie trailer looked good. Sure. I do I hope that they don't reveal what the plot is, which they haven't thus far. I they I mean they have in like promotion in like other promotional materials but not in the trailer which I appreciate. But I just uh, this movie could go. The trailer made me feel like this movie could go one of two ways. It could be genuinely quite good, or it could just kind of be leaning too hard into self-referential meme sure. things that I'm gonna be like, okay, sure. Basically, it could be Deadpool or it could be Deadpool 2. Dude, that guy knows he's in a movie. That's what makes it so funny. Do you think the humor in the Barbie trailer is maybe a bit too mature for children? Not even that it's just like it's inappropriate, which to some degree it kind of is. But it's just it's kind of going to go over a lot of kids' head. Like the whole the beach joke and like the Ken thinks he should stay over at Barbie's house, but he doesn't understand why. Yeah, I mean, like I don't know. If, I don't know if it's just intended to be a kids' movie. I feel like it's hard to make a Barbie branded movie and not want to market it towards children. I don't know, man. I'm. I don't know. I could see this. Just that's what I'm saying. I could see this being a sausage party scenario where people are like, "Oh, an animated movie. Let's bring the kids." And then being like, "Oh, dear, what have I done?" I don't want a raunchy Barbie movie is what I'm trying to say. It, I mean, it, all they're just innuendos as far as I know. Like, I don't think this will be an R-rated Barbie movie. Yes. I think I it just, might be a PG-13 Barbie movie. Yes. I'm just saying, 
the trailer made me feel like this could go one of two ways. Sure. One way, which I adore. One way, which I am tepid about. Sure. All right. Now, you can you can either do your bomb, Tom, or you can... I, I would like... I, allow me to, to pitch the thesis of my argument that I would like to make. Yeah, I'll, this in Leo in lieu of a bomb. Sure. I watch Hail Caesar every spring because I believe... And I will probably watch it within the next two days, Tom, because I believe it is a covert Easter movie. Okay, explain. So, first of all, the movie, part of the the plot of the movie is that it is a Hollywood studio trying to make a Jesus movie. Right. However, I believe the character Eddie Mannix, as played by Josh Brolin, is kind of a Christ figure. In, in a very American and Hollywood way, not necessarily in a religious way or like a perfect Christian theology way, but I think he he fills that role. Now, I think so. For those who haven't seen Hail Caesar, it is about a movie studio in the 1950s and a guy who works as a studio executive whose job is to fix problems, usually with actors and directors at the studio. And so... That character, whose name is Eddie Mannix, played by Josh Brolin, is a is a guy who goes around to all of these, for lack of a better word, sinners and fixes their problem and is repeatedly given a, a choice to leave this place, this place that gives him purpose, the place that defines his life and go and get money and glory and an easier job somewhere else and instead he chooses repeatedly to sacrifice himself for these other people so eddie mannix is jesus well that's our show folks in in a very in a very american hollywood capitalist way eddie mannix Um, jesus yeah I mean, I understand the argument you're making. I think it is definitely a... Here's what it sounds like to me. It sounds like a... Uh, like a 8 to 10 page paper I would write in college versus I don't know what class. Oh, I mean, I could have I could have gone... I did, in fact, write an 8 to 10 page paper on the, the family dynamics of Wes Anderson movies. Um... Right. Which I could so have I, talked about during this episode. Like it's a it's a thing. It's a thing that I think exists that you could make. I do think it's the type of paper though that if I were to write it, once I got about three quarters of the way in, I would just be like, listen. It would just get meta. And I'd be like, I don't know if I even agree with I don't I just I it's the type of thing that I could see myself being like the amount of energy I need to put into convincing myself and the reader of this is not worth the energy but i would say it's a paper that after submitting i would be really proud of and i would for the rest sure. of my life be like this is my stance on this sure so this is to say i think i agree i agree with you that that's a thing you can say i just i just think there are a lot of parallels to like jesus's temptation by satan in the desert to the scene in which josh brolin is talking to the guy in the chinese restaurant and the guy is trying to hire him to be part of like a defense contractor how many times do they meet three times i believe there you go there you go three temptations it's like the it's like the it also could be like the garden of gethsemane yeah you know eddie mannix is jesus there you go and in the end eddie mannix covers the sins of the actors for whom he works. And then there's a radiant beam from the heavens. And there's a radiant beam from the heavens and a choir singing as he goes off to do his good work. You've convinced me. Easter movie. A it's sleeper Easter. Easter. It sleeper, is a sleep, sleeper, sleeper cell. It is a, it is a covert Easter movie. And that, that is my argument. Tom, do you want to take us out? Because I, I brought us in. I'd be happy to. Folks, next time, I know we talked a lot about Wes Anderson. Next episode, I just want you to know, we Zach and I are going to go through. We're going to go through each Wes Anderson movie, and, and we're going to we're going to tell you which 
because as as you all know, there is now um there the the wonderful story of Henry Sugar will be Wes Anderson's twelfth movie, which means mm. he's made one movie for each month of the year. And okay. there's one there's one movie that is associated, of course, with a month. Of course, as we all know, Fantastic Mr. Fox would be November. This sort of thing. Yeah. So Zach and I will go through. We'll figure out which months Asteroid City and Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar are. And uh, you can look forward to that for next week. But in the meantime, um, you should uh, t- hold, hold your loved ones dear. Tell them you love them. Um, and, and know that the night is darkest before the dawn. Thanks for listening. My name is Tom. This has been Fool's Gold Friday Hour. And my co-host is, is Zach. And he's also a cool guy. Bye. Happy Easter. Bye.